Did you all eat casseroles growing up? Oh, I know we did. Absolutely. My favorite parts were how creamy they were and the ooey gooey cheese. Mm, And if you were lucky, mom would crisp up some crunchy things on the top and they'd get all brown in the oven. And they were so yummy. So good. Casseroles really are comfort food at its finest. Ah, My mouth is watering just talking about them. Oh, mine too. It's sad to think that they've gone out of fashion in the past few decades. Uh, Not at my house. (laughs) That's true. That's why I think it's a good idea for us to make one. Sure. Get ready to take a trip back in time to see if this delightful dish will make us feel like we've had a big warm hug from mom. Welcome to Mom's Wooden Spoon. Get your apron on and your fanny flicker ready as we cook up some nostalgia. Ooh, yummy. Hey everybody, this is Kristen. And hey, this is Carrie. Well, today we are going to be making man pleaser casserole. Oh, I do love a good man pleaser. (laughs) You make me nervous when you say that. (laughs) So this is from Mary's Memo, October 21st, 1974. Um, So the man pleaser casserole doesn't have a lot of ingredients. It has three pounds of pork stew meat. And we'll talk about that in a minute because that is not easy to find. It doesn't smell real fantastic either. (laughs) It does not smell good. Uh, Let's see. We need eight ounce package of thin uncooked egg noodles, cream of chicken soup, creamed corn, salt and pepper, longhorn cheese, which we'll also chat about. I'm curious about that. And we need uh, a green pepper and then a can of pimentos, which is not really something that I use in my everyday cooking. No, but it seems very time appropriate. Absolutely. I can remember mom having a jar of of pimentos or can of pimentos all the time. Yes. Right next to her gallstones. So gross. Our mom had her gallbladder out when we were little and she was a nurse and she thought it would be super cool for us to be able to see it. And so she had the surgeon put her gallstones in a jar and they must have filled it with, I don't know, alcohol, some liquid. And in order to preserve them, she put them in the fridge. Do you remember that? Oh, I do. (laughs) And I remember staring at them. They were so nasty. In my mind, they looked like the meatballs in the SpaghettiOs and meatballs. (laughs) Oh, no. I remember them being like hairy. Oh, (laughs) so gross. Oh, we are absolutely turning everyone off to this recipe at this moment. Come to our house. Cook some food. Get some pimentos and gallstones. (laughs) Yummo. And then finally, there's uh, buttered breadcrumbs, which was really interesting because Mary doesn't say how to make the buttered breadcrumbs. I think that homemakers in the 1970s just automatically knew how to make those. I think that was popular. Well, and I would assume that they probably didn't just go to the grocery store and buy a can like we do now. No, they made theirs. And I think it was a money-saving way to use up stale bread. Right. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And so I honestly had to look up how to make buttered breadcrumbs. I didn't want to have them turn into mush. I didn't know if I needed to toast them in a pan. Right. So actually what you end up doing is you take stale bread and you crumble it up in a bowl and then you mix it with melted butter. 
Interesting, but wouldn't that make it all mushy? I don't think so because of the fat content of the butter, but I guess we're going to find out, aren't we? <laughs> little science experiment. Okay, and then I think that's it. So right. the first thing we had to do, and, and this kind of takes away from the ease of making a casserole, was we had to cook pork ahead of time. Interesting. It was supposed to be veal, but you could not find it. it. She said specifically that it was all but extinct. So this required us to cook the pork, pork stew meat. Okay. Well, I could not find pork stew meat. I can find beef stew meat all over the place. So what I did is I bought a big pork roast mm -hmm. and I just cut it up into bite-sized pieces Perfect. and it said to cook it in the crock pot. And so I did cook it in the crock pot, but the directions said to cover the meat with just enough water, barely enough water, and then to cook it until the meat was tender and the broth reduced. So did you chop it? Into bite-sized pieces before you put it in the crock pot. I did. Okay. Yes, it was in there in bites. And then it just made an incredible amount of broth. We're talking six to eight cups worth of broth. Wow. And so that makes me nervous with all the other ingredients. Is that going to make everything too soupy? So the, the casserole dishes that we put it in... Would that much broth even fit? I don't think so. Now, we do have the noodles, and they're raw. You don't cook those first. Right. So they're going to absorb some of the liquid. But I took off two full cups out of this. Um, actually, three. Don't tell anybody. I poured one cup down the drain, <gasps> and I saved two cups of the broth in the fridge in case okay. we feel like we need it later. Well, I think if we go and put it in the casserole dishes and they don't fill the dishes, we can just add some extra broth. Yeah. And I am looking at this amount of pork. It was three pounds exactly. I measured it. I cut it. I had it on the bone. The, the pork oh, roast wow. was on the bone. I cut it off the bone. I measured the amount. I mean, this was a lot of work for a simple casserole. You know? Yeah, I'm wondering if you could like cook four or five pounds of pork and then use it for dinner that night. Take the remaining three, shove them in the refrigerator for your man to please him <laughs> the next night. Right, but you know what? That brings up something that I found when I was looking up casseroles. Okay. I, I was looking up when did casseroles come to be mm -hmm. and kind of what was the history of them. Oh, I do love a casserole. I know you do. Mm -hmm. You were telling me that whenever your husband does a lot of the cooking, mm -hmm. most of the cooking. All of the cooking. <laughs> and that whenever he makes a casserole, you find it so delicious. Always. And the only reason he makes them is because I like them. Because he prefers like a meat and a veggie. Every time. Wow. Yeah. So he only, he specifically seeks out casserole recipes just for me. So in my house, it would be a carry pleaser casserole. Ooh, yes, it would. Yeah. So I was reading and it said that casseroles have existed since the beginning of time, like since really? people were cooking. Yes. And as a matter of fact, there was an article in Good Housekeeping from March of 1917, which actually talked about the law and lure of casseroles. So I'm not sure which I'm more impressed with, the oldness of the casserole <laughs> or the fact that good housekeeping existed in, in 1917. I was just surprised by that. Wow. Yes. And so here's what this article said. I'm going to read you the quote. Okay. The primitive woman herself was the inventor of the casserole cooking. And in her pottery dishes, she boiled and stewed meats, 
vegetables and fruit, everything which she did not cook in the ashes or on a hardwood stick over fire. Wow. You know, and casseroles actually come from the uh, dish that they were cooked in. So that's how they got their name. Oh, yes. so they had like pottery casserole dishes. I suppose back in primitive times, right? And it was really the original keeper of the leftovers. It really was, which then kind of brings us more towards the Depression era. Actually, the early 1900s, Campbell Soup Company created the very first condensed soup. And when they did that, they made this huge marketing campaign of all the different ways that you could use Campbell's condensed soup, not just making soup itself. Right. And that was kind of the start of these modern homemakers. Casseroles. Making casseroles, right? Soup, stovetop stuffing, chicken. Oh, yes. So good. Oh, delicious. Add some noodles. And then when the Depression hit in the 1930s, Campbell's just ramped up their campaign for, again, using Campbell's soup and other things. Right. And so it just became a huge thing in the Depression to use Campbell's soup in casseroles. I'll be done. And it's lasted all this time. It has. Actually, the 1950s were the height of the casserole. The 1970s, they were starting to wane. Well, obviously not in our house. (laughs) Obviously not. I think we had casseroles like almost every night. All the time. But our mom is truly fantastic about using every last bit of food that she possibly could. And that really is what casseroles are for. Yeah. And so as I was researching casseroles... I found the most misogynistic article you ever want to read written by a man. Of course. About women who make casseroles. Oh, boy. They were pretty darn controversial in the 1950s. And in an article in the Tuscaloosa News in 1954, this journalist states, women like casseroles, men don't. Well, that's true in my house. That's true. Yeah. That's true. But he goes on to say that casseroles were created by women to trick men, much like when women put on makeup and acted all coy, (laughs) that it's all a trick to lure men in. I mean, seriously, that's taking casseroles a bit too far, (laughs) don't you think? It's amazing I ever got married. I know. I don't wear much makeup. I'm sucky at coy. Apparently, you're not very coy. And then he goes on to say, and even worse, women are more coy when they make coy casseroles. (laughs) (laughs) So really... We are not making a man pleaser casserole. We are making a koi casserole. <laughs> That's what we're going to have to title it. A koi casserole. A koi, not K-O-I. There is no fish. No fish. No, no fish in fish. your garden. Gross. We're harmed in the making of this casserole. That is right. So let me just read to you what this article said. And we're going to post this article on our website okay. so you guys can read it in, in its entirety, in its wow. horrific entirety. I told my husband about it. I said, I'm hoping it's kind of tongue in cheek. He goes, nah, it was the fifties. That was not tongue in cheek. Oh, no doubt. I mean, that was absolutely as a woman, meet your husband at the door with a drink and your well-cleaned children. I mean, that was the norm. It was the norm. And for a man to act like a woman saving money by using leftovers is being coy and deceptive in some way. Right. It's quite offensive. Well, (laughs) 
to us. All kinds of things that I would find (laughs) offensive, but that's true. So here is just a little quote. Boy, I'm into the quotes today. You're really going with this. Dang. Okay. Well, here we go. I couldn't believe it. And so picking out a single quote from this horrible article was tough, but this is the one that, that I love the most. Casseroles symbolize women's reluctance to face the fact that yesterday's roast beef or chicken or lobster or veal or tuna fish is still yesterday's roast beef, etc. Now defrocked, sliced up and hidden like a poor relative under a melange of whipped potatoes, noodles or rice. Wow. <laughs> he feels very strongly about casseroles. I'm not sure what melange means, but I'm impressed with his use of it. <laughs> I agree. I could wow. not believe it. And since we are not using leftover pork in this recipe, perhaps this author would have been pleased. Maybe. I keep thinking, so our mom is famous for, uh, I said, using every last bit of food. Yeah. She does not do casseroles. She's all about the soups. Oh, she is a big soup maker. And I have to be honest, I'm not a big soup lover. I hate soup. Really? We both are? I wonder why. Is it because we had so much soup as kids? Yes. I don't know. I will eat cream-based soups. Like, I love cream of potato, cream of broth. Those are delicious. You know what? And I don't love raw tomatoes very much, but a good tomato basil bisque to me is delicious. Carrie's making a face, not Mm. her face. No, thank you. And I, I can do some chicken noodle soup, but much beyond that, not mm-hmm. the best. Stews, not a fan. Really? Mm-hmm. I, mean, I guess that may be because that's how we had all our leftovers. Always. Oh, we could have written an article. Uh, making soups is how a mother takes a melange of ingredients and hides the fact that it was yesterday's pot roast to defraud her children. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's write an article about that. <laughs> we do have a blog. Ooh, yes. <laughs> okay, so let's take the stinky pork meat. Yes, and juicy. Do. It is so juicy. And so we'll figure out if we need to get the rest of the broth out of the fridge. Sure. Okay. Uh, we'll play it by ear. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so until the broth is cooked down and the pork is tender, okay. and then you're supposed to, this is a lot of work. I had to refrigerate it overnight, and then I got it out this morning, and I scraped all the fat off the okay. top. Okay. Okay, so now here it is in our bowl, and it says to just to stir in the uncooked noodles, the soup, the corn, the seed, everything. Okay. It just goes right in. So, so here we the go. corn, I'm assuming we're going to drain. Oh, no, it's cream. It's cream corn. And here's the trouble. It's said to get one one-pound can of cream corn, and oh. they don't make that. Huh, that's cool. Right, so we have 14.75 ounces. So we could do one and like a splash from this can. Or we could just say, eh, we have plenty of broth. Let's just add one can of cream corn. Because what am I going to do with a three-quarters full can of cream corn? Let's just do one can. One can. Okay, so it's a pop top, probably unlike the 70s. There she goes. And that was a great sound. Let's see. Here's a spatula to scrape it out. And I'm going to add in the noodles. We had to get out a bigger bowl because this is the most gigantic amount of pork I've ever seen. And it, well, the recipe does say that you can put it into two casserole dishes and then, oh, I cut the spatula. I'm kidding. Nice. Uh, we're going to be eating plastic bits. You can't for have dinner. nice things around. This is me. why we can't have nice things, Carrie. Anyway, so when you 
are ready to prepare the casserole, you can put it in two dishes, yeah. cover one, and freeze it and save it for later. Right. Um, so that's but an they're, option. But they're only one and a half quart size dishes. I mean, I'm looking at this going, I don't think I don't think we have enough space in those dishes to fit all this food. Oh, well, we'll have three casseroles. We'll eat like kings or we'll eat like men's. Pleased, very pleased Let me men. eat like these men's. All right, I'm going to start chopping up the green pepper, and I believe it said a half of a green pepper. Yeah, one half of a green pepper chopped. All right, and while whilst <laughs> while you do that, I'm going to do some mean measuring. Okay, what are you measuring? Uh, salt and pepper, and I thought I'd do the pimento. One teaspoon of salt, and my sister set out Wait. a quarter teaspoon for me. But what is a tablespoon? Whoopsie daisy! So we're going to do it. She four has to times. put in four. I can't read recipes. Of Apparently, <laughs> so there will be no talking as I'm count. Oh, if shoot, if you uh, if it's you talk good. while Carrie measures, it's a big problem. <laughs> She'll get going and going, and it'll be the saltiest casserole we've ever tasted in our lives. Six quarter teaspoons <laughs> into it. All right, green pepper chopped and going in. Excellent, you are fast. I am. Well, it's just a half a one, so that was pretty simple. Okay, so then. The buttered breadcrumbs. Oh, it just—it doesn't say how much buttered breadcrumbs. It just right. says buttered, buttered breadcrumbs. Bread so I looked up how to make buttered breadcrumbs right, because I had no idea, right? How many? Right. And so I also looked up. I mean, I had no idea. This must be something that the homemakers in the seventies knew how to do to make buttered breadcrumbs and how much would be good for a casserole. So I looked up old 1970s casserole recipes and it calls for a cup of oh. breadcrumbs for a casserole. But then I didn't double that because we have two dishes. I just looked up, you know, how much buttered breadcrumbs would somebody use? Well, but I think it's just one casserole that you can put into, into two. for prolonged man pleasing. <laughs> So I had to look up, this is so pathetic, I can't believe I didn't know this, how many pieces of bread equals a cup of breadcrumbs? I and think everybody's going to hear the... I think I made the bread too stale. It's supposed to be stale bread, and I think it's it's supposed to be soft breadcrumbs, and I just, I set that bread up for too you know, long. It really crumbs great. It, it's so going to be good. lovely crumbs and buttery, right? So it's four slices of bread makes apparently one cup of breadcrumbs. Really? Yep. So I guess we can measure and find oh, out if that's yeah, the truth. That'll be kind of fun. We have a one cup measuring cup here. And let's put it in and, and see what we have. And so, no oh, way. no, four is going to be way too many slices of bread. I think it's going to be two. But I love, love, love crunchies on my casserole. To me, that's one of the best parts, that crunchy top. Uh, yes. Or cheese. Well, of course, the cheese. The, the cheese is too, well, that yeah. cheese is the best part. But second to that is something delicious and crunchy on the top. Mm -hmm. um, so shall we just do all four pieces of bread? Well, my only fear would be, is that going to soak up too much liquid Ooh. and then the noodles are going to be okay, not we'll just, even al dente? Yeah, we'll just do one cup. Then. Okay. All right. And so we're making we, it up. We're we making it up as we go. Yes. And so you have to melt two tablespoons of butter and mix it in with these breadcrumbs. Okay, so my question is, if we're not going to do four pieces of bread, 
should we do two tablespoons of butter? Probably not. Who knew we could have so many questions? So many questions. And again, I think this is stuff that homemakers just knew how to do. Oh, or we're really crappy at man-pleasing. <laughs> I think we are. I'm going to cut down the amount of butter okay. that we have in this dish. Oh, look at me. I put it in as individual packs. So there we Excellent. go. Should we melt the butter and mix the breadcrumbs when we're ready to put this in the oven? Sure. So that they don't get soggy? Does it go on the top? Yeah, it goes on oh, the top. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And we still have the cheese to grate. Oh, perfect. And what I found so interesting is that Mary's memo just says longhorn cheese. Right. So this is from the milk of a longhorn cow. It is not. Oh. It is not. Which parlays itself. I don't know if that's the right word. Parlay. Yeah. Ooh, that's fancy. So I just realized that buffalo mozzarella. Yeah. I thought it was named buffalo mozzarella because the balls are big like a buffalo. No, you didn't. True. I was watching... Uh, oh, a TV show. Are I we can't... talking like a Buffalo's man parts? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> you're big like no. a Buffalo's man parts? No. That's so inappropriate. This is a family-friendly podcast. I was not. No. Okay. Um, just a buffalo. I, you know, we could have called it giraffe mozzarella. <laughs> okay. Know, okay. Just, just a large animal. A large, large animal ball. buffalo. Buffalo. <laughs> so <laughs> We're going to call it buffalo from buffalo. now on. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess if you got like a small ball of mozzarella, it would have been mouse mozzarella. Right. I don't know. Anyway, so in my obviously completely incorrect brain, I did not realize that it's actually the milk of a buffalo. And now I'm sure people milk buffaloes. <laughs> I suppose so. And it's like, you can find it in the regular grocery store, oh, buffalo yeah. milk mozzarella. And it's delicious. It really is good. But who knew? I clearly do not have a future in buffalo milking. Apparently not. No. I don't think I would want to try that one bit. No. Scary to get yourself down under a big old buffalo, <laughs> regardless of if it doesn't have big old buffalo balls. I mean, do you have your friend, like, feeding the buffalo marshmallows? <laughs> Is it or? like when you're trying to give a dog a bath, that a dog that hates having a bath, and you sl slather peanut butter on the wall of the shower so right. the dog licks and licks? So the <laughs> buffalo will stand still while yeah. milk Do buffaloes it? like peanut butter? I don't know. <laughs> my dog likes marshmallows. That's where I went. No. Oh, he loves them. Oh, my goodness. That is so he, funny. He gets crazy wild. <laughs> so Longhorn is the name for the shape of the cheese I found. So now I'm not quite sure why it's called Longhorn, but any cheese that is called Longhorn this or that is made in a large cylinder. And then when it's packaged for the supermarket, it's cut into moon shapes or circle shapes or the way we usually get it is in a half moon shape. And so that shape is longhorn. Well, so I'm thinking of any cheese that you see, sorry, <laughs> the, any cheese that you see ever, don't they come in those big like discs, right? Which would be moon shape? I suppose, but longhorn is traditionally a Colby cheese. Okay. Colby is in the cheddar family. And delicious. It is so good. It's kind of a riff on cheddar, a milder, nuttier, way better melting riff on cheddar. All right. And so Colby is an American cheese. Hmm. And so perhaps it has to do with the way that American cheesemakers named the shapes of their 
right. cheese forms. Because I'm thinking of like old school Italian cheese makers right. and they're clearly no. different. And this is clearly American right. cheese. Yeah. All right. So, you know, I was wondering if we should buy shredded cheese for this recipe because it just says Longhorn cheese. And I do not remember mom buying shredded cheese in the 70s. No. Yes. So I did not buy shredded Colby. I'm not even sure that you could find it. I'm sure you can, but it's not very available where we live. No. And they put cornstarch in it to keep it from becoming a mass of stuck together shreds. Right. That nobody can use. And so I think freshly shredded cheese is far superior. I think so. So that's what I did. And here's another thing that shows me that I am not a very good homemaker, or at least I don't have the knowledge that a 70s and 80s homemaker would have. Okay. And that is, it said, let me see how many cups it said that we had to have. It says two cups of shredded cheese. And I did not know what size of a cheese block to buy to get two Well, how would you? So I had to look that up. I had to look that up as well. Thank goodness for Google. Yes. But you know, in all reality, now we know why in cookbooks, they would have pages of that kind of information. Yes. Because nobody would know unless you've done it. And there was no Google. Right. So you'd have to go to your cookbook to find out. You know, and a lot of the older cookbooks have those pages in the front that tells you of different cuts of meat and, you know, ratios of, you know, how much an eight ounce block of of Colby cheese would make when you shred it. Right. All of that. Yes. And so actually it was an eight ounce block of Colby cheese that shredded into two cups. Super easy. You know what? I didn't measure it to test that before I dumped it in the casserole. So here we go. Yeah, mix that bad boy up. Oh my God. And then we're going to have to put it in the casserole dishes. So this recipe came out 10 days before my first birthday. Yes. And because I am fortunate enough to have the best birthday anybody could ever have on Halloween. Yeah, you're a Halloweenie. I decided to look up the most popular costume for Halloween 1974 for kids. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to hear what it is. And so you'll have to remember the costumes of the 70s were those plastic masks. Oh yeah. With the elastic that went around the back of the head. Some of them were advertised as masks with hair. What? Yeah, which meant if you bought a mask of, let's say, I love Jeannie, Genie, yes, included in the plastic mold of mask was her hair. So it wasn't like luscious flowing hair. It was a plastic molded ponytail. It was just the mask that had hair on the top. (laughs) But it was made of solid plastic as part of the mask. Yes. Instead of ending with a forehead, it ended (laughs) with the hair. Ooh, fancy. Um, That was good marketing. Yeah. And then... The costumes were like those plastic things. It was like wearing a plastic trash bag. It was, with just a picture of the mask. And so you're Frankenstein, and you have your yellow Frankenstein mask, no hair um, on that. And then your plastic little get-up shirt with a picture of the mask on it and Frankenstein. (laughs) In case maybe the person is like, well, I do not know who you are. I will not give you candy. (laughs) Let me interrupt you real quickly. In what universe is Frankenstein yellow? I don't know. It must have been a cheap pigment. Because a whole bunch of them were yellow. Really? Mm -hmm. Very interesting. But 
Frankenstein was not the most popular for Tiny Tots of oh. 1974. It was <laughs> Casper the Friendly Ghost. Oh my gosh, I was Casper. Of course. We have a picture of me in the... No, I think we have a picture of you in Casper, and it was my hand-me-down Casper costume. Right, because you probably were Casper in 1974, and then I got to do it again like four years later when I got to trick or Oh my gosh, we need to find that picture and put it on the website. You were so cool. Oh my gosh, I was cool before I even knew it. Mom made you cool. Oh, that is just so not something I thought I would ever hear. Tell 16-year-old you (laughs) that mom Mom made you cool. Oh my (laughs) gosh, that kind of makes me sick a little bit thinking of it. Okay, so I'm going to microwave the butter. You get a picture of this soupy hot mess that we have created. Okie doke. Okay, so Carrie got the perfect picture of our delicious sloppy mess in this bowl. And now we are going to put the melted butter on the breadcrumbs. Let's put it in a bigger bowl to kind of mix it around. It has nice colors in it with the red pimento, the green pepper, the orange cheese. If I were a man, that would please me. (laughs) (laughs) My man would not be pleased, but I am pleased. (laughs) All right, I'm going to drizzle the butter over and then kind of mix it with a fork. I think this is too little of a bowl to be doing this in, but we're going to give it a try. And so far, the butter has not made the bread like into one gelatinous clump of bread. No, not at all. This has, you know, some nice little chunks in it. Big chunks that will either break our teeth as they cook and get crispier, or they'll be crunchy deliciousness. Yes. And you know what? The butter seems to be softening up this bread that I left out for way, way too long. Do you have the memo? Let's take a peek and find out how long we have to cook this. So we're going to bake it in a preheated 350-degree oven for an hour. An hour? Okay. I think these casserole dishes are the perfect size. they sure look like it. Do we put the breadcrumbs on when we put them in the oven, or do you put that on later? Well, let's see what Mary has to say. Okay. Um, Nothing. She says absolutely nothing. She does not even tell you what to do with the breadcrumbs. Nothing. They're never mentioned again. Okay, so my recommendation from making things like this is I wouldn't put the breadcrumbs on right away. I might wait halfway through the cooking Mm -hmm. process. Because we don't want them soaking up the liquid. They are totally going to. I mean, they will become an absolute mush. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll pop those in the oven, and we'll see you guys in In an an hour. hour. Yeah. Okay, the casserole is out of the oven, and we messed up big time. (laughs) (laughs) Now, we do think we remedied our error. I don't think Mary meant for us to use the broth from the pork. It was a liquidy mess. It was. I had to use a ladle and scoop liquid out of the casserole after it had been cooking for 45 minutes. It was still soupy. So I probably scooped out a good two cups of liquid and then we added more noodles and mixed it up. Then we put it back in and put on the buttered breadcrumbs like the last 10 minutes. And it looks gorgeous now. But note to you all, if you're going to make this man pleaser casserole, do not add the broth. I think the 
liquid from the cream corn and from the condensed soup is basically enough. Yeah. And I'm, I'm assuming that the meat puts off more liquid as you bake it. Yeah, I think so. Well, let's dig into this. Okay. I'm going to do the scooper on this Ooh, one. Here's a plate. This is going to be great. So I, the buttered breadcrumbs look gorgeous on the I, top. I really like buttered breadcrumbs. <laughs> Yes, you do. So here's a fork. All right. So Carrie, you want to take the first bite? Hopefully yeah. the noodles are all done because like I, I said, yeah, I, I stirred in a whole bunch of extra noodles. So I, and you wouldn't have to do that if you did not put in all that broth. If you made it the right way. I know, right? I, I suppose I just didn't get it. Didn't read the recipe correctly, but all right, you've taken a bite. What do you think? It tastes to me like tuna noodle casserole, but with pork. Mm hmm. This is not bad at all. No, it probably could use a little extra salt and pepper, but I really like lots of salt and pepper on my food. Yeah. And I think one of the things that, you know, we're noticing is that these recipes, I just don't think by and large are going to have a ton of spices. Right. And I think that's going to be a common refrain is I would have added a little spice like paprika on the top mm -hmm. might have been a super nice. A little garlic. I would probably cut the pork up in even tinier pieces, mm -hmm. but it's so soft that you can easily oh, yeah. just, you can just break it up. But yeah, the bite with uh, noodles and a little bit of pork, I think that's great. The corn flavor is delicious. Mm -hmm. And while there's not a lot of spices, all of the flavors are very mild. Yeah. So you don't get any one super flavor that you're left like, oh, there was too much of that. Everything yeah. is mild. And so I guess in that regard, they all kind of mesh well together. Yep. It is comforting. Mm -hmm. It is warm. It'd be a great way to use up leftover pot roast. Don't tell that man from the 1950s. <laughs> <laughs> Am I being coy? <laughs> <laughs> always, <laughs> always. It would be a great way to use up leftovers, I think. And um, while I'm not sure if it's a man pleaser, it definitely is a woman pleaser. I think it's a Kristen and Carrie pleaser. Yeah. Awesome. That's it for this episode. Thanks so much for joining us. The recipe, pictures of the casserole, and that crazy news article from the 1954 Tuscaloosa News will be linked on our website. If you like what you heard, please share this podcast with a friend and be sure to give us some positive feedback. If this isn't the podcast for you, just move on. Don't make me get the wooden spoon. Thanks for listening to Mom's Wooden Spoon. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe. If you want a copy of this recipe or to check out our blog, click on the link to our website in the podcast description. If you'd rather, you could get to our website through Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Pick your poison. Don't say poison. We're making food.